with you another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz talking the world of Hawkeye athletics with you as we get ready for Black Friday for the final time, at least for the next couple of seasons. Iowa finishes the year with Nebraska before. It'll be the Badgers to finish things out in 2020 and 2021. Iowa with a 19-10 win against Illinois. Not a cover, but a victory. In the end, that's all that matters. What's happening, Biz? Not much. We uh, we, we tried our darndest to, to hex the Hawks last week by uh, putting the hex on Keith Duncan and, and the Iowa running game, but... Uh, in the end, they came through. Again, it's kind of your uh, Iowa staple victory of uh, not the prettiest win, but uh, a win nonetheless. Take it any way you can get it, and uh, away we go with that one. Looking back upon the game against Illinois, Biz, I was very impressed, more impressed than anticipated by that Illinois team. They were out there. They were scrapping, fighting hard. Defense that, that brought it. They are putting eight, nine guys in the box all day long, daring Nate Stanley to beat them, and he was able to do that at times, but that Illinois defense was even better than I anticipated. They definitely have a ton of team speed, boy. They, uh, you know, from from our view, you sat with us many times. You know, you can kind of see holes open up from time to time, and, and there were some holes that looked like they were going to be there for a few runs, and they uh, closed them rather rather quickly. And uh, you know, they uh, they're an aggressive defense, and they play all the way through the whistle. And, and when you've got uh, Officials absolutely refuse to throw any sort of a late hit flag on the sideline. You can continue to do that all game long. Yes, uh, no doubt about it. Nate Stanley finishes with over 300 yards passing in his final game in Kiddick Stadium. I I thought one of the best moments, though, was uh, during the senior day activities as the players were making their way through. Of course, you saw the, uh, the Paulson twins run out there and go see their family. That was a cool moment, but... How about Devontae Young? His parents from D.C. not able to make it out. Waiting, though, at the 50-yard line for him, Mary Ferentz and then Kirk uh, joined afterwards. Really cool moment there in that one. Yeah, kind of piggybacks on what we talked about last week, Trent, about, A, it was cool that he stuck it out and continued to uh, to be a Hawkeye, but pretty awesome way to end your career for a guy that, uh, you know, is kind of the epitome of, of an Iowa football player, a guy who... <laughs> You know, did everything that was asked of him. He came in as a wide receiver. It didn't work out. You know, he asked to switch positions. Didn't complain. Was told basically you're just going to be a special teamer, and he made made the most of it. You know, pretty great story. You know, and people forget. I mean, as a true freshman, he played some. I mean, he was early on in his career. He was kind of thought of as kind of, you know, a potential. Uh, option at wide receiver so it wasn't like he came in as a scrub he was he saw playing time as a freshman and then obviously it never materialized but very very cool way to end his career as a hawk and you know i thought in general the whole game was, was kind of a microcosm of uh nate stanley's three years as quarterback some really really good uh, moments for nate and like you said over 300 yards passing and then some uh occasionally really really bad moments from him and that's a game where he probably should have had 400 yards passing. Yeah. If he just hits uh, two or three other uh, wide-open guys, he's got another, you know, probably two or three more 30-yard passes in there. So not the prettiest, but that's kind of uh, Nate in a nutshell. Uh, really, really good at times, and uh, unfortunately you get the the flip side of that from time to time as well. Another uh, big day for Keith Duncan, though. He missed a couple, as you mentioned, Biz, as Stat Boy tried to put the hex on him. We were able to 
get it up, though, and get the victory. He now is the all-time leader in field goals in Big Ten history. Uh, there's a little problem with that, though, and that's been some of the issues for Iowa when they get, once they get on the plus side of the 50. But great for Keith Duncan, a guy, another guy that stuck it out, a walk-on from North Carolina. You know, this isn't a kid from, from Boone walking on. This is a kid that is paying out-of-state tuition to play at the University of Iowa from North Carolina, and here he is now a, grow, a grows a finalist. Well, I can't remember, Trent, if I ever told you the story, but uh, I had a 15-minute conversation with him in the Charlotte airport uh, a couple of years ago, and it was initiated by him. Oh, really? He, uh, we were in the Charlotte airport, and I had an Iowa sweatshirt on, and he came over and started uh, chatting with me about the Hawks, and we were probably a good five minutes into the conversation before uh, he mentioned that he was a Hawkeye player, and uh, based on his size and the fact that we were in North Carolina, it was pretty... Uh, Pretty obvious to figure out who it was at that point, but uh, incredibly nice kid. And uh, this was after he had made the kick against, uh, you know, Michigan. So he could have certainly been uh, arrogant if he wanted to, but he was just the opposite. Very friendly kid, and uh, you know, just as unassuming as you could be. So nice to see uh, good things happen to some what appears to be good people. Another uh, note: five catches out of the tight end position. It's been largely quiet this year. Sean Byer with the big grab for 40 yards, a couple of catches for both Laporta and Nate Weeding. Weeding playing his final game inside of Kinnick Stadium. But, you know, Laporta, I think, has shown signs that you hope next season, another year, have the offseason, certainly spring football to go to, that the tight ends are probably going to be a bigger part of the offense now going forward. Well, Laporta looks like a, a, a T.J. Hawkinson a starting kit. I mean, obviously he's got he's got a long ways to go to be anywhere close to T.J. Hawkinson, but uh, you know, just his hands and his route running and his, his general athleticism reminds you a lot of uh, a young Hawkinson. So uh, if he can be half as good as Hawkinson ended up being, then uh, I think the tight end position's in the good hands going forward. Christian Welch finishes off his last game. Uh, I'd walk off fashion with the sack to end things out there. Another great game from Christian Welch, and I think I said this to you guys in our text chain. Boy, it'd be nice if he would have redshirted that first year and have another year of Christian Welch in the middle. Well, remind me, was he a guy that played? I know Nate Stanley, if the rules would have been different three years ago, Stanley would have another year, because I don't think he played more than four games that right. freshman year. Was Welch one of those as well? Did he play more than four, or if the, rule, if the new rules were in place, would he have another year? Of eligibility. Well, and, and even with the new rule, you wonder if they would have massaged it a little bit more. Even if he would have, pl- if he played in say half the games during that freshman campaign, if they would have kept it at that four number, not exactly sure. I'm looking, bringing up his bio here and seeing what pops during that first season. Did see action all 13 games, but he did it as a special teamer, two solo tackles and an assist in that one. So probably a guy that if that rule was in place four years ago. I'm going to guess he would have stayed under the uh, four-game limit. Well, he's kind of a uh, – what's become kind of a pattern of Iowa football. You know, that linebackers that uh, their first two, three years in the program up through junior year are good but not great. And then, you know, that last year they really kind of jump off the page. Uh, you know, I remember back in the 2015 year we, we were both very worried about uh, – Fisher, Cole Fisher being kind of the weak link, and he ended up having a great senior year. And you know, there's been it's been a kind of a, a common occurrence with our linebackers if they uh, stick it out and they're in the program long enough. Uh, you know, Bo Bowers another good example, a guy that 
you know, took his lumps his first couple of years, but by the time he uh, got to be a senior, was was an awful good contributor. He really was. Uh, certainly hope going forward, too. Some of those young guys and some of the issues we see out of Dylan Doyle, you know, Jack Campbell, what those guys can turn into. Uh, Colbert's still got a couple more seasons in front of him. Certainly excited about that, but what they build and what they're going to be down the road. And uh, we will certainly be talking about that in the offseason. Biz, anything more on the Illinois game before we get ready for Black Friday and the quick turnaround? No, I'm ready to start bashing bashing the black shirts if you are, Trent. I am ready for that each and every time, and it's very easy to do with this Nebraska team, especially on the defensive side of the football. They can't stop anybody. That has been certainly the calling card. The Maryland game, I mean, throw it out. Come on, Maryland, that team has absolutely given up after what they did at the beginning of the season. Have you ever seen a team go from ranked to the top 25 to as bad as they are over the course of a season? Well, that's the kind of precursor to our bets later in the show, Trent. I'll just tell you that uh, I love Michigan State as a bet because I I watched a good portion of that Nebraska game. I've never seen a team care less about being <laughs> out there than Maryland did. That, that They were literally going through the motions in that game. It was like it was like watching a touch football game. It was a uh, if Nebraska ran hard at all, they got 20 yards every play. If, if, unless they ran directly into somebody and fell over, they uh yeah, Maryland uh, certainly has no interest in being out there anymore. So yeah, I think you can throw that one out the window, but I will say the one thing is when you play a terrible team like that, it certainly seems to help a team's confidence. So uh I would think Nebraska's coming in here at least thinking they're pretty special, which, uh, as we all know, that's kind of Nebraska's forte in general. Yeah, I I really have enjoyed some of the comments coming over from the land of red here uh, this week and talking about, you know, they they just, they don't respect us anymore. Well, why should I respect you anymore? You haven't beat them in half a decade. I, I think that's going to lead to a little bit of respect. Nobody on this Nebraska team has beat Iowa, but be interesting. Uh, that's certainly talk that is happening. It'll matter what happens between the yard lines. Let's get into it here. Shits went to work and uh, put together some numbers for this week on just how bad Nebraska's defense is. Yeah, you know we had success a couple weeks ago, Trent, when we uh, found uh, we, we went and bashed the Gophers for 15 minutes about how terrible they've been in Kinnick. So. Uh, it worked, and we won. So I figured let's do the same thing this week, and let's talk about just how awful the black shirts have been since they uh, became a Big Ten school. See, you ready to look at uh, some pretty brutal stats? Bring it on. So I, I gave Statboy the assignment of just comparing Iowa versus Nebraska's defenses during the uh, the nine years that, that Nebraska has been a, a Big Ten participant. So let's start with just a quick breakdown. This is their ninth year, Trent. In those nine years, um, if you break it down by a points-per-game average, this will be eight years in a row that they have given up over 24 points a game. In that same eight-year stretch, how many times do you think Iowa has given up 24 points a game? Once. You are correct. Can you guess what year? 2012. No, that was my, my guess as well. But that defense wasn't terrible. The 2014 year. Okay. 2014, we gave up 25.6. It's the only year we've gave up more than 24. Like I said, Nebraska has done it eight straight years, including the last three trends. They've given up 36.4 points a game, 31.3 points a game, and 27.8 points a game. So, uh... On average, every single year, they are uh, consistently worse when it comes to a point, points per game uh, uh, output. So we're in good shape there. This team 
historically bad since their run into the Big Ten. What else does Stat Boy got for us? Well, this is this is my favorite one, Trent. When you look at giving up fifty or more points mm-hmm. in a game, yep. As we know, Nebraska's been good to just get absolutely slaughtered by a few teams since they've been in the Big Ten. So I had to start by looking into it. Guess how many times they have given up 50 or more as a Big Ten participant in, in slightly less than nine years? Oh, we'll go with nine times. Are, are you cheating? I'm not. You're exactly correct. <laughs> nine times in nine years. Guess how many times in the past 24 years Iowa has given up 50 points. Last 24 years, so we're going back to, uh, what, 96, uh, 95? 95. 95 was, we gave it up, we gave up 56 against Ohio State at home in 1995. Since then, we've only given up 50 or more one time. Oh, I think. Can you guess when it was? I remember it was that 2014 year that you're talking about against the stupid Gophers. Yep, fifty-one to fourteen yes. debacle up in the up up in Minneapolis. So that is the only time. So they've done it nine times in nine years. We've done it once in twenty-four years. And the funny thing is, Nebraska would be looking at a streak of six consecutive years giving up fifty or more, but Ohio State took mercy on them this year and uh, stopped scoring and stopped at forty-eight. So if the streak is going to hit six, the Hawks have to score fifty or more on Friday, which. Uh, Probably unlikely. Yeah, it seems like a little bit of a stretch for this Iowa team and, and the issues we've seen offensively out of them this year. But if there's ever a defense to allow it, it's got to be the Cornhuskers. So so we know, Trent, from the stats, they give up a, a crap load of points. What about yardage? Since joining the Big Ten, Nebraska has given up 500 or more yards. To guess how many opponents in nine years they've given up 500 or more yards? Seven times. 20. No, oh, jeez. 20 times they've given up 500 or more. On the flip side, can you guess how many Iowa has done that in the past nine years? Past nine years, three times. Five. But three of them were in that 2014 year. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, 20 to five. Let's jump it up even higher, Trent. Let's go to 600 or more yards. Guess how many times Nebraska has given up 600 or more yards as a Big Ten participant? Nine. Six. Six times. Iowa has never done it. Never. So. Uh, but well, n- never in, in a year since Nebraska joined. So never in the nine years. Okay. So I didn't make stat go back every game, but uh, I- I'm sure some of uh, Ferentz's early defenses. It seemed like we gave up 600 every game. So, but but uh, yeah, just absolutely brutal stats for the black shirts. And the funny thing is, since uh, their their moron of an AD made the statement five years ago, the stats are even worse. Trent, let's let, let's break it down to the last five years because this is a uh, Pretty phenomenal. Over the last five years, this is the uh, points per game more that they've given up. In 2015, they gave up eight more points than we did per game. 2016, they gave up six more points per game than we did. 2017, they gave up 17 more points a game than we did. 2018, they gave up over two touchdowns more, about 14 and a half points per game. And this year, again, they're giving up 15.5 points per game. So pretty phenomenal when you look at the breakdown of the two defenses and just how awful they've been, uh, especially since they uh, decided to assess where we were at as a program. Time to assess where Nebraska is at a program, and it's not real pretty. So good stuff there from Stat Boy. What else did he unearth? Last one, Trent. We'll break down individuals here. In the last five years, 
Nebraska has not had a single All Big Ten uh, defensive performer in the first team All Big Ten. We've had seven of them. One of them was the same person twice. So six people, but seven first team All Big Ten players. Can you name those six, Trent? First teamers: Joshua Jackson. There's one. Oh, now the one that did it twice Jos- is obvious. Josie Jewell. Josie Jewell did not do it twice, but he is one of them. Yes, okay. that's two. Uh, he was the, the guy that was the captain last week was the two-timer. Oh, Desmond King. Desmond King was the two-timer. So you have three others. Two of them are defensive linemen. One is in the secondary. Defensive lineman, would it be uh, Jaleel? Jaleel Johnson? Jaleel is correct. The last two, Trent, were both last year. Both last year. Anthony Nelson? Nope. Huh. You're overthinking this, Trent. Am I? Quite possibly oh, the best defensive Parker, lineman in Iowa history. Parker, Parker Hesse? No, the best. He's, again, overthinking this. Who is it? A.J. Epinesa. Oh. Oh, I, I guess I, I didn't even, it didn't even register. Yeah, he had 10 and a half sacks last year. That he was a first-teamer, yeah. though. And the last one was the uh, early entrance in the secondary last year. Early entrance for the secondary last year, who was, who the hell left early last year? Oh, uh, Hooker. Boy, Trent, you, uh, for as good as you started off your predictions, <laughs> really really struggling with last year's football team. Yeah. You're, you're great when I quiz you on 1990s stuff, but yes. not so much 2018. Yeah, so. Quick turnaround. Yeah. So that, that's, that's it for stats. But like I said, it's pretty phenomenal when you look at just how brutal the black shirts have been. So, uh. The question I have for you, Trent, as we hop back back to the present, uh, are the black shirts going to be horrible on uh, on Friday? Well, you would hope so, but my concern still lies with Iowa's played terrible rush defense. Illinois last week was not a good rush defense, regardless of how many people you put in the box. They've been bad against everybody this year, and Iowa really couldn't run the football. Go back to the Purdue game. Purdue, who'd been historically inept, and Iowa could not run the football in that one there. That leaves me still very concerned that regardless of who's out there defensively, Iowa just has not shown an ability to be able to run the football well enough. Yeah, that's hard to disagree with that, but I will say when you look at the last four wins we've had, do you see what the total rushing yardage is in those four wins? No. I think it was, I think it was Rob Howe that, that posted it. 966 yards for us Jeez. to 434 for them. So. It's kind of the same thing we said last week, Trent. If there's ever a time for the running game to get right, it's uh, it's this week again. So, especially because the weather looks pretty shaky. There's supposed to be rain and wind, and you know we're going to have to run the ball. You know, it, the reason we've dominated in the last four years is pretty simple. We've ran the ball on them, and we've dominated the turnover margin. I think turnovers were something like eight to one or nine to one. So, uh, you continue to do those things. We got to find a way to run the ball, and if we can. Uh, I think we've all seen, if you sit back and, and be patient, Adrian Martinez will uh, will make some mistakes. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like last week. Uh, Illinois, uh, at times, looked really, really good. But at times, their quarterback, was you know, he's just not the type of guy that's going to go a clean four quarters. And I think Martinez is the same way. If you uh, make him uh, make him a thrower, he will eventually uh, give you one or two passes a game. So uh, some breaking news as I uh, was taking a look at some weather on Twitter trying to find if there was any forecast from the Nebraska people. Breaking news, though, Joe Kane has entered the NCAA transfer portal. No word yet if Alvin Mack or Steve Latimer 
is going to be joining him along with Darnell Jefferson leaving ESU. Well, they, they, if I remember, they uh, they struggled against Iowa in that movie. So maybe uh, maybe after playing against Iowa, a couple of those guys will will transfer to become Hawkeyes. Joe Kane, uh, how exactly is actually a Virginia Tech offensive lineman? I, I missed on that. Different Joe Kane than the one from ECU. What a movie not, that not, was. Not, not, not the alcoholic quarterback? No, no. He's wrong side of the tracks, Biz. Wrong side of the tracks. All right, so we, we know that this Nebraska defense is terrible. We are hopeful that the run game will finally get going. Before we turn the page on, uh, the page on some football and get into basketball, what else you got for us? That's it for Stat Boy info. I just, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, Trent. I don't have the greatest of feel for Friday's game. I, I get a bad feeling that they're, uh, you know, we've been hearing about the wonderful Scott Frost or whatever you want to call him. If you want to call him Steve Frost or Scott Alford or whatever, whatever he's a, you want to call him. But uh, I just get a bad feeling that they may actually uh, come out ready to play with, with bowl eligibility on the line. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying we're going to lose, but uh, I certainly don't have a great feeling going into this game. But but I will say I've I've had that same feeling going into Nebraska the last couple of times, and we've uh, we've kicked their butts pretty good over in Lincoln. So uh, let's hope that my uh, my pessimism is uh, not warranted. You know, you mentioned a couple of things there that go without saying. I mean, any football game turnover margin obviously is going to be big, and I was dominated that and. You say this a lot when it goes to football games, but I think it is very apt here. If Iowa does go out and punch them in the mouth, they very well could will. You know, if if Iowa jumps out to a lead, they jump out to a lead like they did last year in Kinnick. I don't see this Nebraska team coming back. That Nebraska team at the time was still fighting hard, still really working well at the end of the season. They played their best football in the second half of the year. That hasn't been the case with this, this year's Nebraska team. I think they get on them early. Iowa can roll in this football game. One, forget, you know, last, when we went there two years ago, the final score was about 56 to 14. If you remember, we were actually down with like a minute to go in the first half of that game. I think it was 14 7. We scored right before the half, and then the second half, we just came out and kicked their butts. You know, same thing happened in 2016, which uh, we won 40 to 10. In the second half, we just absolutely dominated them. So I think you're right. If we uh, come out, I mean, this, I mean, Nebraska's shown all year long. They're, They've hung in, hung in with everybody except for Ohio State, so they're, they're not going to just roll over. And we're not, this isn't going to be a game that we win by, you know, three, four touchdowns. But I do think you're right. If we, uh, you know, just stay patient and you know keep pounding, I think eventually, I think we've shown the last four years we're, we're the more physical, tougher team than they are. And, and if uh, <laughs> if we can uh, impose our will, I, I think it'll be similar to what we saw uh, in the past. Not 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 final score wise, but just from a wearing them down standpoint eventually. Iowa basketball gets ready for their road trip out to Vegas, Texas Tech on deck, followed by either a matchup against Creighton or San Diego State on Friday. Thursday is the first game, though, against the uh, team that played for a national title last year. Ken Pomeroy has this as a five-point game. Boy, uh, if that's the opening point spread that comes out, I will tell you I'm going to be jumping on the Red Raiders. I haven't paid attention. I mean, obviously, I know they lost like four of their five starters from the Final Four team, but uh, have they played well early on? They haven't played anybody worth a crap. In fact, all of their opponents are ranked 243 or worse uh, at Ken Palm at this moment. They've killed every one of them. Their closest game was a 15-point win against Tennessee State 
Don't know a whole lot about them at this point. I know they went the grad transfer route again. Uh, they brought in one of their biggest uh, prospects ever in a kid named Ramsey. So they brought in some talent. They went back to the grad transfer market. Moriarty's still there, the Italian guard. But, yeah, this is going to be certainly a new-look team. Anybody deserves a, the benefit of the doubt, though. It's Chris Beard, what he's done at Texas Tech. Absolutely incredible. So they haven't played the juggernaut that is DePaul? No. No, no, no DePaul for them. So nobody gets a measuring stick until you take on the Demon Deacons. No, the Blue Demons. Well, I will say, watching Chris Beard's teams, they are teams that seem to get significantly better as the year goes on. He's kind of a Tom Izzo type guy that, you know, he tends to kind of break his teams down and then build them back up. So I, I think we are catching them probably at the right time. My guess is they're probably a work in progress a little bit, but, uh, you know, it's two completely different systems at work because Chris Beard is all about defense and uh, Fran is, uh, well, well, not. So uh, it'll be it'll be a contrast in styles, but I think it's one of those games where we're probably going to have to shoot really, really well to, to win. I mean, if we go out and shoot, you know, 11 for 23 on threes, we'll have a chance. If we shoot uh, 6 for 23, it could get ugly. Jack Nungy out for the year. He tears his ACL in the game Sunday and uh, after redshirting last year, getting trying to separate the classes a little bit, now he has to sit out another season with an injury. Guy that really struggled those first couple of games, but was at least playing better before the injury. Yeah, I mean, I feel terrible for the kid, but uh, I also don't see the... <laughs> a lot of people are talking about this is a really big loss for the Hawks. I guess I don't see that. Uh, Jack Nungy was playing better, certainly, but... Uh, you know, you watch him on the defensive end, he looked absolutely lost defensively. Even the last couple of games, he just doesn't look like he has a good feel on the defensive end, and he's certainly not physical at all. So, you know, I'm I'm a fan of both Pemzel and Creener. I think they'll both do fine. Um, you know, and to be honest with you, I'm actually kind of happy that it will narrow down our rotation a little bit. Fran has no choice but to go with only about eight now because that's all that's left. So, you know, we've talked about it in the past. Sometimes Fran has a really hard time narrowing it down from 10 or 11 guys, and it sucks that Nungy got hurt. But uh, by doing that, it kind of forces Fran's hand a little bit to narrow down his rotation. So, you know, would it be nice to have had him? Yes, but I don't view this as, I guess, a major loss in, in, in my mind. Just an opportunity for more Riley Till. Oh, God, Trent, don't even say that. Oh, you know it's going to happen. Be prepared for it. You know it's going to happen. A couple of uh, numbers that jumped out. I was taking a look at my favorite site at basketball, Ken Pomeroy. Offensive efficiency rating on the season. C.J. Frederick, 30th in the country at 138.9. Basically, he is uh, averaging 38.9 points more than an average college basketball player, playing at a very, very high level. A couple other numbers there. 60% from 3, 9 of 15, 14th in the country in that category. Guards the 21st as he's 7 of 12 from downtown. Now they just got to get Weiss Camp going. They get Weiss Camp going. Eh. How about this lineup? I'll, I want to throw this to you. Playing Connor and Toussaint together in the backcourt along with Weiss Camp and Frederick and Garza as your big. There's some teams he can't play that way against. Purdue, Michigan State among them in the Big Ten. But against many teams, that lineup... I like that lineup. Am I crazy? I don't think you can play Connor and Tucson together. Neither one of them can shoot the ball at all. And I don't think you can. I don't think you can win with two guards that you don't have to. You don't even have to guard outside fifteen feet. Mm-hmm. So, 
I mean, I, I think you can probably get away with that lineup for a few minutes um, and against certain teams, but I don't think that's a long-term solution at all. I mean, I think you just got to keep kind of splitting. I, I would like, I mean, we've seen so far it's been kind of a 25-15 split as far as Connor and Joe. I, I think I'd like to see it more split right down the middle. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Connor's played fine. He, he yeah. is what he is. He's a very good He's a very good passer. You know, he's you know he's a smart basketball player, but his ceiling is nowhere near what Tucson's going to be. And, and at some point, you got to kind of let Tucson sink or swim a little bit, and especially these next five or six games against good opponents. I'd I'd like to see his minutes go up a little bit, and we'll see how you know see how it goes. Because obviously, I mean, he's going to have his uh, his growing pains. It's going to be ugly from time to time, but uh, he obviously gives us a totally different dynamic than. than anybody else on our team. Bo Hannon didn't play in the matchup on Sunday. Are we getting closer and closer to the inevitable where he's going to shut it down? Yep. My guess is he will play through whatever it'll be, Iowa State or That'll Minnesota be the 10th game, there. Right? And, so, and uh, I think by uh, by holding him out the one, I think uh, he can get through Iowa State now, yep. right? Yep, you're right. So that seems like the plan. Going to do that, and uh, then it'll be a look forward to the following season for him. Well, it'll be Thanksgiving night when the Hawkeyes are playing 7 o'clock tip-off Central Time against Texas Tech. What are you doing for Turkey Day? Being lovely Nashua, Iowa, enjoying the game with, with family. So uh, no better place to be on Turkey Day than, than Nashua, Iowa, Trent. A little football, some uh, Corn Bowl Conference action maybe happening in your backyard. You're going to be in good shape there. I'll be in Sioux City as long as the weather holds. We're going to see. It's, it's not looking good here for the travel plans, but for the people traveling, listening to us and to the Hell family, Hello to you. Thanks for joining us on the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Still searching for that sponsorship. Keep trying, Trent. I've given you multiple options over the years. Denny Arthur's was an option at one point. Uh, Obviously, all the sports books. All my my options just keep uh, falling apart. I'm not much of a salesman. Keep trying. Well, we'll keep trying to uh, plug away at our losing streak, though. We both bounced back with winning weeks last week and end up on the plus side of the ledger with our bets. Of course, the big game this weekend is the game, Ohio State at Michigan. The Buckeyes, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. I don't have any confidence in either one of those two teams, to be honest with you, Trent. Uh, it's, uh, I'd like to take Michigan just because I think uh, they're playing good football, but uh, I think Ohio State's the better team, but... Uh, so, well, I'm not sure what to do. The weather looks crappy in Michigan that afternoon. So, so give me the under. I think it's at, what, 51 or 51 and a half? Okay. I will give that to you. The under 51 for biz on Michigan, Ohio State. All right. Interesting. I've been back and forth on this one. Michigan's playing much better. But still, Ohio State's just the better football team. I'll lay the points here. I'm just going to put 100 bucks on this one. Not going to go... Real deep into it, but I'll take the Buckeyes and lay the number. Lay the eight and a half with Ohio State. Pick number two, Biz. What do you got for us? Well, Trent, I told you earlier that Maryland was one of the worst teams I've ever seen last week as far as effort and, and execution and, and just across the board. So, first of all, give me 50 on the under in the Ohio State game. My other two picks, Trent, uh, as we learned last week, keep it simple, and I won uh, won both of my two big bets. So, I'm both of my big bets are going to be 225 each on that Michigan State game. So give me 225 on Michigan State at minus 22, and give me 225 on Michigan State under 49. 
I honestly don't think Maryland will score a point in this game. <laughs> uh, I don't think Michigan State can get above 49 on their own. So uh, give me Michigan State winning this game like 35-3. to three. So uh, 225 on both. And I'm just counting on the fact that Maryland uh, – Wants to wants to be at home, and Michigan State's playing for for a bowl eligibility. So, uh, and possibly their their coach's job. So, give me Michigan State uh, minus twenty two and under forty nine for a two twenty five each. All right, I'm going to play a total, which I rarely do, but the Illinois Northwestern two good defenses. As I told you earlier, I was impressed by the Illini's defense. And going under forty four currently, the number there. I just don't like either offense. I like both of those defenses there. So 44 is the number. I'm going to throw 200 bucks on that one. My other game in the Big 12, Baylor has wrapped up the title bid against Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. We'll get the rematch as we always do with the round-robin scheduling in that one. I'm going to take Kansas plus two touchdowns. I think they can win this game outright. I'm not going to put that part of the picks here. I'm not going to save... 20 bucks to throw on that in the money line or anything like that. But I like Kansas getting the two touchdowns at home against the Baylor Bears. Well, uh, you, you mentioned the uh, the rematch stuff. Uh, it, it just it seems to me it's incredibly stupid, the, the way that uh, we do these uh, the conference championship games. I see uh, there's a pretty good chance that Memphis-Cincinnati are going to end up playing two weeks in a row, possibly, right. depending on uh, who wins. Uh, at what point do you just say, let's, let, let's scrap the uh, the conference championships entirely and just expand it to eight games and make make next weekend the uh, the greatest uh, greatest weekend in college football of all time and, and you just have four straight uh, four straight playoff games back to back to back to back. I'd be in for that. Where do I sign up? Yeah, probably nowhere because uh, as we all know, it'll probably happen, but it'll be 2026. So we may be dead by then, Trent. Very true. 100 bucks on the positive side for me last week. Biz made $300. Still down on the season on the overall record, but we start digging ourselves out of the hole here this week with our picks. Before we get out of here, it's time once again for Biz's Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for Biz's Beat of the day. Okay, here's Biz's Beat of the day. <sighs> Trent, this week's business beat uh, is a tip of the ball cap to Lisa Bluter and the Iowa women's basketball program. Uh, as you know, I have a 10-year-old daughter, um, and I reached out to one of the assistants a few weeks back to ask if we could come watch a women's basketball practice. And uh, we got to go watch practice as a team last Sunday. Um, and it's hard to imagine a, a coaching staff and a team being uh, any more hospitable hospitable than the than Lee Center squad were. Um, it's pretty incredible what they did. I mean, not only did we get to watch practice, but uh, every single girl came over and spoke to the team. We got autographs from the team. We got pictures with the team. We got to shoot with the team. We got a tour of the entire facility. Uh, they got autographed posters. Um, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, how much access and how much uh, they did for a, a group of 10-year-old girls. And so... Uh, I know uh, probably all of them were already fans to begin with, but uh, they're a heck of a lot bigger fans after spending uh, two and a half hours with uh, Coach Blue and their team. So uh, it's pretty impressive to see and uh, make a mental note uh, for the year 2027 to uh, have Ella and her squad uh, travel over there. Sounds very good. I love that story, Biz, and certainly that basketball program and what they've done 
uh, Coach Bluter and all her assistants. Great people over there and love to hear those kind of stories. Biz, we'll do it next week. We will know, of course, a lot more about the Iowa basketball team, what happens on Black Friday with the football team. We'll also know the bowl destination. Is it holiday bowl or bust? Is that what you think? Where, where are we going to hear our marching orders for the Hawkeyes? I think it's almost impossible to predict because it, it's going to totally depend how many teams make it into the uh, New Year's Day Bowls because if Michigan gets bumped down, my guess is the Holiday Bowl is taking Michigan. They haven't been there in over 20 years either. And mm-hmm. the Head-to-head matchup, I, they beat us, so they seem to be pretty logical that they take them. So I, your guess is as good as mine, Trent. But uh, Before we go, two quick predictions, Trent. Uh, okay. Thursday's basketball game, Friday's basketball, or Thursday's football game. Sorry, Thursday's basketball, Friday's football game. Who's the winners? Uh, we're going to go with Texas Tech and Nebraska. I'm going negative this week. I'm going to be thankful for Turkey and not Hawkeye sports this week. Well, I'll take, I'm going to pick the surprise on Thursday night. I think Iowa's going to come out, and it won't be because we play that well. I think Texas Tech's. There's not going to be that great of a team really in the year. So I think we pull the upset and people people start having some positivity. Then, unfortunately, Friday I have a bad feeling that Nebraska's going to beat us. So uh, give, me the, give me the Hawks to pull the upset on uh, on Thursday, but then the Cornhuskers to turn around and pull the upset on Friday. So I, I, hope, I'm, I hope I'm wrong on uh, the second one, but if, if I had to, I'd be happy to be wrong on both I'd much rather see the football team win than the basketball team well, at, this point, at this point in the year. One way or the other, we'll talk about it next week. Biz, enjoy Thanksgiving. We'll talk again then. All right, go Hawks.